Welcome back to the Passion for Progress podcast. In this episode, we have my first ever business mentor, Bob, with us today. So we're going to get straight in with the questions. Bob, tell us a little bit about yourself. Right, man. So yeah, we actually met, what is it, like four or five years ago at a, at a mastermind? Yeah, yeah. Um, a, lot of, a lot of things that's changed. So yeah, my, I'm, I'm Bob. Um, I've been in business for well, over 20 years by now, um, although I started with not having a fucking clue what I was doing to hopefully knowing a bit, one or two things about what I'm doing right now. Um, I own a digital, or I would say I own a software development business. I own a, uh, a coaching business um, and a podcast business like uh, like you guys. So I think there's a couple of things that we have in common here as well. Okay, great. Okay, cool. So um, where, how did how did it start with business? Like what what was your sort of outlook on it? How did it start? Did it take a long time to sort of do well with it? Uh, it, it took forever. So the thing is, I said, I started sort of 20 years ago when I was about, I think I was 14 or 15 years old when I started. And things back then were quite different, right? Right now you have amazing content in podcasts. You have amazing things on YouTube and courses where you can learn a lot of things. Back then, you know, you didn't really have internet i mean you had internet was just starting out there but it was very different so a friend of mine and me we knew like a bit how to create websites back then and keep in mind you didn't have wordpress or wix or anything it was just trying to type code and we said you know we'll just go to every local shop say hey there's this new thing called the internet and you need to be making a website so people can actually see and go to your website so we started creating websites for just local businesses um which was doing okay but we had no clue what we were doing. Like we didn't know how to price. We didn't, you know, we, we sort of knew how to create websites, but it was, it was very new. And I think the first successful business was like six, seven years later. So it took quite some time for me to, uh, to actually find what I wanted to do and also what I, or how to do business. And yeah, I mean, I think looking back, it could have been faster. Although I do believe just putting it out there that these days, a lot of people pretend that you can start and grow a business in, like five days and hit six figures after a month. And that's not really true. So it, it always takes time. That's what I, yeah, what I believe. Cool. So what were the, what was all the stages, Bob, in that, in that seven years, trying to find what you wanted to do in business, what you wanted, what you enjoyed and what you thought you'd do well in? Was it just trial and error? Or was it just you stumbled across things? How did you sort of go about it? A, a bit of both. So the website was just because we knew a thing or two about writing some HTML, which you had to do. Cool. And um, actually when I turned 17 or almost turned 18, I decided to go to Spain and live there for, for a year. And I told my friend like, Hey, you just continue with the business. I'm done. I'm, I'm leaving this country. I'm never coming back. So that was my mindset. Like screw all of this. Um, so I, I went to Spain for a year just to party, learn a bit of Spanish, went back and I had to make a decision whether I wanted to go to uni or try and do business. So I tried to do both at the same time, which led to me dropping out of uni after two months, which happened again a year later when people said oh just go back to uni because business wasn't really going too great and then I dropped out again after two months um, but I think for me it was always in the beginning years it was also about I know what people want and I'm going to make what people want and that doesn't really work because the issue is that for example we started creating an app and it was sort of a talent show app and it, again this was long ago you didn't really have any of those apps and I still believe the idea was pretty good you know you could upload a video of yourself singing or dancing whatever and you could see, hey, who's the best singer of London, for example? So you could say location, we made our own algorithm. So if people liked you or watched you, you would go up in the rankings. Jeez. But it took us about two years to build. And we added like 500 features that no one needed because that's what we thought that people wanted. So the result was people would download the app. They would see so many things and so many, they, they just got confused. And the two features I did want weren't in there. So no one really used it. And I think for me, the sort of the turning point was starting to figure out, okay, so rather than me figuring out what you guys want, I'm actually going to speak to people. I see a problem here. I'm going to go to people who have this problem. If I would build this or if we would do this, would you use it? And we started getting a lot of feedback. So um, for example, there was this issue in the publishing industry, right? So the, like the old school publishing books and, and um, all of a sudden, you know, people could steal their content online because now they were publishing digitally. So going to publishing companies saying, hey, we want to build this. And we got a lot of feedback, like, no, just create this and we'll use it. And every publishing company said the same thing. So apparently I was wrong. Rather than me just building what I think, we started building what they all said. And then it sort of took off. So I think that was the key moment for me that I started to realize, okay, I don't know everything. 
myself. Actually, I mean nothing. <laughs> so let's just speak to people. That's, uh, yeah, that's the main thing. Definitely. And I think it's, it's worth you sort of saying that before you were sort of trying to make something that maybe you thought people wanted, but you didn't speak to people and yep. really any sort of business, just finding a problem, a problem that people have and solving that problem better than anyone. So um, I, I think that that's one thing maybe like people first getting into business sort of do wrong. Maybe it's like they're, they're just thinking about what they want or like what they think people want, but they're not even talking to the market. They're not getting an understanding of it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's worth it. It's sort of good that you said that. So. Yeah, and I think with that and whether it is, because, you know, my background, even though I'm not a developer myself, but, you know, I still have a software business. So um, whether it's software, whether it's creating a, a course or anything, you just want, sure, you know, you, you might want to get like a super... Uh, small product out there so that, that's called an mvp so minimum viable product so even with the course you know just have like a few things get some people in there get some people to test it for free whatever ask for their feedback and then they'll tell you well it's cool but if you add this this and this then it's great so they sort of see your solution but it's super simple it's not fully operational yet and then they give you feedback then they tell you what they want so it's sort of a, it can be a combination of you know creating something that you think people want but keep it simple get it out there as fast as possible, get feedback, get, you know, listen to the market. And I think that's the, the main thing to do for most any type of business really. Sweet. Sweet. And then, so after those seven years, you come, you come through all that, you learned a lot. Was it just, was it the software company that took off first? And is that the one that, that sort of took off first? Yes. Yeah. That was the one that uh, after speaking to the market and creating something they wanted, that's sort of what, what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And you think that's the main reason for that because you actually, took that different approach from when I spoke to the market and didn't just jump in and do what you wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I also had to, because I couldn't spend another two years building something and then no one using it anymore. <laughs> I mean, we had, we had like, I think we had a hundred downloads in total for app, which we spent two years on. So that's, really? that's not going to, that's not going to pay the bills. My. So yeah, I, I do think that's, that was the main tipping point for sure. Cool. But obviously a good learning point at the end of the day. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I would have liked to learn it in like a few months, maybe, rather than a few years. But <laughs> it, it is what it is. Uh, I think it's good you sort of speaking about how it, it took a while and you spent two years trying something that didn't work. Because I think, especially with our generation and sort of that um, instant gratification and like how everything is like now, that people just, just like you said, people think they can get into business and within 30 days be like flying and, and leave that like leave their job and they don't like it, it comes like this so um I think it's worth you saying that you you grafted at something for two years and it still didn't work for you to then go on to the next yep. thing so because I think people yeah, I, I think I think you guys might have the same issue in your industry right because this is just business but in if you look more at I spoke to a, a guy who's a fitness youtuber the other day and he takes a very scientific approach in his videos which I really like because I you know, he's honest about it. Like it's not going to happen in five days or you're yeah, not going to yeah. have the transformation. And he's not really growing because he's telling the truth. Right. <laughs> but if you show like, Hey, these are results I got in, in four weeks and you know, it took you 10 years, then people are going to watch it. I want that as well. And that's, I think the whole issue with, I guess your generation, as you said, sort of growing up with the whole social media, you have so many expectations, which are just unrealistic. Right. So yeah, yeah. it sells, it works on social media. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? If you put if you put up get shredded in ten weeks, it's going to sell more than than build muscle for five years and then get shredded. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so true. That's, unfortunately, so, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> when when would you say you first got into self development, Bob? Because obviously, would you say you got into that before business or business and then you sort of got into yeah business and then self development? I think, and I think that's a good thing about more your generation compared to what we said was maybe not the best thing, is that much more aware of this whole self-development and how important that is. If I think back about my friends, you know, and I, I had a friend group who went to, you know, smart kids. No one really read books or did anything. You didn't really have that much information yet on YouTube. That's perfect. And my car, sorry. Okay, no, there was a car <laughs> right in front of my door. I thought, <laughs> um, the car gets stolen mid-podcast and just- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but it, it's, it's changed so much, right? And now there's so much about self-development. And I think for me, it was somewhere mid-20s that I really started to read properly every single day, start meditating every day and, and really try to improve myself. Yeah, every day, basically. 
which but, and do you think that yeah, that had like a that correlated to your success in business obviously when you come into self-development i'm sure it probably did but how much do you think that had an effect on your business success i think that the good thing about self-development so it's a mindset as well right it's a yeah. mindset that i always want to improve i'm i'm never sort of complacent i'm never happy with where i'm at i always want to improve and i think that mindset correlates into your business as well so i i wanted to improve my business i wanted to improve the people i was hanging around with who could push me as a person as well and then in return um, that helps you in your business. So I think there's a very strong correlation between the two. And I think self-development, no matter what you do, right? Even if you're not into business, it's just super important. Next question, Bob. What do you define as success? What is your definition? I think that's a very difficult question, man. Um, <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Eh? <laughs> yeah, because a lot of people would probably answer like, oh yeah, success is if you're making seven figures or whatever. And I think it shouldn't be monetary um I, I agree definitely i mean sure you you know you because okay so for me success is reaching realistic goals and having amazing experiences with people i care about right i think that is at the end of the day that's what life is all about creating these experiences and memories and all those things um and of course you probably need some money in order to have those experiences <laughs> right yeah. but then so for me success is being able to do what I want to be able to do and, and you know, provide for people I really care about um, to create those amazing memories, I think, and the moments. I think that would be success to me. Sweet. Nah, that's awesome. We yeah. have, I can see me friends are looking at each other, loving Yeah, that. yeah, we're looking at each other because we, we would have said, like, that, that was, like, we say exactly the same thing. Like, um, and there's that saying in the, in the Compound Effect book, it says, like, um, success without fulfillment is failure, failure or something like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, and that's, uh... no, that's true. And, and maybe a little funny sidestep. I once coached someone who was financially doing really well, right? He was, his business was growing. I asked him, so what's your goal? Like, what's your main why? What, what, you know, what would make you happy? And he said, well, reaching seven figures, I have to make a million, right? And then I know I'm going to be happy. And I told him, well, I don't think so. And then at some point he reached seven figures. So, you know, props to him. And I said, so what's your goal now? Yeah, making two million. But then why so and now i actually spoke to him a few years later i hadn't spoken to him for for a very long time and he said well and now i understand what you meant because now my goal is to have this life in, in a certain place and i need a lot of money for this because i want to have because he did practice dream setting which is just dry, writing down your your ideal lifestyle basically so where do you want to live who do you want to hang out with what car do you want to drive what kind of house family all those things he said yeah so i need like three four hundred thousand a year for that ideal life so that's why i'm pushing so hard and that's why i need to make money I thought, okay, so now now we got somewhere um, because just pushing for money, yeah, what, what's that? So now you reached sort of number, great, cool, yeah, right, definitely. So yeah, so in talking about success, Bob, do you feel successful? And if you do, what I mean, what I mean, we know you're successful, but in terms of yourself, do you feel successful? And sort of like, at what point did you sort of think, well, like, I'm I'm really happy with what I've done here, or I'm I feel like I'm I'm being really successful. Yeah, that's a funny question because I actually had a conversation with one of my best friends probably like two months ago and then he said he asked me like hey do you feel like you sort of made it I, no I never really have that feeling like I I made it he said but you know you you have holiday rentals you have like a lot of real estate that you rent out you do other things you know I don't think a lot of people your age have that like I, have, mm, I never really thought about it that way but for me it's always about again you know progress and it's always about growing and going to that next level but at the same time, it is super important to actually just stop sometimes and think, hey, I'm actually, you know, I actually achieved quite some things and I can actually be proud of what I'm doing. So I think the danger, and that's one of the, the things that made me, me realize again, because I've realized this quite often and then I just forget about it, is also enjoy the whole journey. Right? And enjoy the process. And otherwise, you're just working and pushing and then looking back and thinking, oh, yeah, so I, I grew, but how cool was that life? So what I said that defines success is something that I always struggle with because I rather just push a bit more rather than just saying, hey, fuck it, I'm just not going to work for three weeks and going to Bali or going to Australia. So yeah, I, I do think that on, on a lot of ways, I probably am successful, but in terms of creating amazing memories, it could be better. And that's just, I have the, the resources to do so. So that's just something I have to do, basically. Yeah, and I think it's um, it's interesting because you get like different ends of the spectrum. You get people that work, 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 
and they probably never make any experiences, but they're financially free and they're probably earning the most out of anyone. And then you get people on the other end of the spectrum who don't do anything to get financially free. And I think there's a, a line in the middle where you need to really sort of balance it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think me personally, I wouldn't want to be one of them sort of work at work people where you don't like, okay, yeah, you're making loads of money and you might make a, to build some really big businesses, but if you're not actually creating a life that you want, then like, it, it doesn't really make sense to. Yeah. The, the issue is though, cause I was doing actually a lot more traveling two years ago and finally doing much more of the things that I think I should be doing or wanted to be doing. And then of course, well, the whole shit happened in the whole world. So traveling wasn't an option anymore. And then it's very easy to go from, to take it as an excuse to like, Oh, there's nothing I can do. Right. We, we are still in full lockdown. We have a curfew. So what are you going to do? Well, I'll work, right? So it's very easy to use it as an excuse to just work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. And yeah. I think that's a big issue. Uh, actually, a friend of mine who has an amazing business, and he's, he's like 26 years old. He's now in uh, a center for people with burnouts because he said, yeah, I can't do anything, so I'm just working. And he, I, I spoke to him on the phone uh, last week, and he said, I'm one of the oldest people here with 27 who has a burnout, and there's 50 people here. So especially young people right now, at least over here, because I mean, everything's been closed for ages, like all the bars, restaurants, you know, you're only allowed to be with one other person with curfew. So many people, especially entrepreneurs, just decide to work 24 seven because there's nothing you can do anyway. And then that's not healthy. No. So I think that's sort of something that also pushed me a bit more to working more and, and, and other things. So I'm, I can't wait for life to get back to normal, like everyone, I guess. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you sort of go about managing that work life balance? Obviously, now it's a bit different; it's a bit tough. Um, but sort of it'd be interesting to know how you've done that in the past. Because obviously, you've built quite a few businesses and you've done really well. It, has that been a struggle for you ever? Because I know loads of people who are successful say it has been. Oh yeah, it has been. Um, I think balance is the one thing that I and most entrepreneurs will always struggle with. It's always it's always difficult, right? So I had relationships go south because I was working too much, especially in the past, right? That at some point the girlfriend would come and say, "Hey." have fun with your business, but it's just, you know, <laughs> I'm here, you know, hello. Yeah. Um, but that, that's one thing. And the other thing is, you know, with, with friends, what are you going to do? Are you going to hang out with friends? So for me, I sort of started, I did a few things to try and fix this. So first of all, every week there has to be one day where you just don't work at all. Not even check your email, nothing. Um, every three months has to be a week of no work at all for me. So that's sort of a, a little holiday. Um, and then I, I make my sort of, to-do list for the week on Sunday and I start with the must-dos and must-dos include hang out with a friend having lunch with my parents or with my sister or something so that's one of the first thing I actually write down in my calendar for the week and then I start putting in the hours for working on the business and for me that's sort of a, a way to try and structure it and try and get that balance a bit better than just you know living being lived by the day and because I think it's very easy if you run a business just there's always something you can do right so it's very easy yeah. to keep going Definitely. I actually spoke about that. I don't know if you remember, Charlie, but remember, I think it was the one with Ben Brave done the podcast about how I was working like Monday through to Sunday. And then you actually told me, Bob, you need a day where you just switch off and you don't, you don't think about business. And obviously ever since then, I've sort of always used my Sunday. And I know obviously we both do it now, Charlie. We don't yeah. train, we don't work, we don't do anything in regards to sort of business and i think it's definitely beneficial it's like a rest day with the gym it's like if your if your muscles need to need re to recover then uh, why wouldn't your mind and your brain need like to oh, switch yeah. off so um, and that and that's sort of a funny little sidestep because we spoke about the whole social media and a lot of people think that for example if you work for an hour you take a 10 minute break that the break could be scrolling on social media but that's not a break for your brain right your brain is still active at that point so actually what you should try and do i know it's hard so for me, for example, I don't use my phone if I'm in a work block. Then I grab my phone, check my messages for like two, three minutes. And then for seven minutes, I either go for a walk outside or I just talk to someone about random shit, but not about work. So actually giving your brain rest. If you're just scrolling through social media, your brain is still super active. A lot of information comes to your brain. Uh, probably dopamine is released as well because that's the, the issue with social media. Um, so yeah, your brain definitely, definitely needs rest. And as you said, just like your body. And I think after a rest day, so if you don't work on Sunday or Monday, I'm like, oh, I, I really want to go again because you yeah, feel yeah. like you have to. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think we both find that to be very beneficial, Fraser, 100%.
even more from a work sense. I think because we rest, we rest training anyway. We rest in the week for training, but from a work sense, just mentally, it's actually so good. Just have a day where you switch off and like, like you said, it sort of prepares you for a Monday, and then you can have like a a good week. Like you, you're sort of ready to go again. But um, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and it's it's funny. A lot of people don't. You sort of have to experience it before believing it. So I have a, a student right now, uh, eighteen years old, making he's making a shit ton of money, and I was telling him. He works seven days a week, like all day. So I like, hey, take a day off, take a day off. And he just didn't really listen. And then he had a family day on Sunday a few weeks ago where he just, they went away to a forest, went for a long walk. And he told me, dude, this Monday was the most productive day of my life. I've never done so much. And I do more than I would normally on a Sunday and a Monday. So now he starts to believe. And it makes sense, right? It's, it, it, maybe it doesn't feel intuitive, but it, yeah, it's just the way it works. But same with fitness. If you just keep pushing every day, you're not going to get results. Yeah, yeah. In terms of just quick one, I've I thought of um, Bob reading. Would you say re- reading? Because like when I rest day, obviously you have more time. I always end up reading quite a bit more. I would say. Would you say that's not relaxing your mind, or would you say it's a bit of both? Um, I say reading is very important. Yeah, and it is. So it's not really relaxing your mind. So I, for example, have I always read two books at the same time. So I have a morning book where it's like a lot of new information. Um, you know, really about self-development where I've really learned. So I'm actively sort of learning. Cool. And I have a book that I read in the evening or maybe on Sundays when I'm chilling, which I either read before, so I just rereading, oh. or it's just a, a light book. It's not it's not going to be fiction. It's still going to be nonfiction, but it, which is super easy to read where it's just, you know, if you don't have full focus, it's still fine. So I sort of try and balance it that way. Sweet. So you almost have like a rest day book near enough, not, not as much stress on your, on your brain. Yeah, almost. Yeah. yeah. Genius. But I do try to read every single day though. Also on the rest days. Yeah, yeah. Because we've been doing that, haven't we, Fraser? We always, we always usually read. But I just thought then, I thought maybe it is obviously when you are, when it's quite an intense book and you're learning quite a lot, it's not the easiest thing to do, is it? Like reading's easy, but not actually processing it, highlighting it and reading it back. It's not the, the yeah. it's quite stressful in your brain. Yeah, but then again, if you just read it back, for example, or if you just read, like, I think, Fraser, you probably read The Compound Effect like 20 times now, if I have to believe your stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I put another picture up on my story this morning of yeah, a highlight. Absolutely. Honestly, yeah, no, but I mean, it's true, right? I mean, it's, it's also a super easy book to read. It's super valuable. And yeah. reading that on a Sunday is not going to make your brain go crazy. Nah. Yeah. yeah. No. Plus you can easily read it in a Sunday because it's, it's a, yeah. Small you read book. That book yeah. Yeah. Um, right. What have we got next? How important do you believe investing in yourself is and why? Whether that be books, courses, etc. I it's the the most important investment you can probably do because it, well, okay so let me take one step back there's since we're talking about books there's a book called mindset by uh dr dweck and uh or professor dweck and she speaks about how there's two types of people people with a fixed mindset i'm happy where i'm at you know i have my girlfriend we have a nine to five we just chill on the on the sofa and watch netflix all day it's absolutely fine you know there's nothing wrong with that if you have the mindset and you have the people with the growth mindset which is i always want to improve in every single aspect in life so I want to improve my knowledge, my business, my relationships with my family and friends. Um, so I think all three of us and probably everyone listening or watching this uh, will have that mindset because that's why you listen to yeah. podcasts. And I think if that's your mindset, it's super important to just invest and, you know, in, in self-development, just get better every single day. It will improve so many things. It will make you feel better. It will probably also help you live healthier because people who are investing into self-improvement normally you start to understand the, the importance of sleep of drinking enough water of having healthy food of exercise right look at all the people you know who read every day they almost all exercise as well because they know how important it is so overall i think it improves your your general health your happiness and yeah your business probably as well and everything well, so would you say that the uh, same for courses about like that as well? So as you went over reading, what do you say about courses and things like that? Would you say, obviously we've said before, like phrase, haven't we? Be careful. You don't know who you're getting into and who you're buying from, but what's your experience with sort of online courses? Have you been doing some, or I know you obviously you run a sort of coaching business. Yeah. So I, I, the course and the coaching industry is sort of, um, there's really two sides to it. I think cool. there's amazing courses, amazing, amazing coaches, right? There's nothing wrong with those people. But those are all people who do it because they enjoy it and it's not their primary source of income. If the only thing that you, the only income source that you have is coaching people or, you know, having your course, then you're probably shit at what you do. 
And I think the funniest example that I ever heard is I spoke to this kid and he said, yeah, I'm doing great. I got coached by this guy. He said, oh, cool. What did he teach you? Yeah, he told me to coach people. Okay. And I said, well, so what do you teach your students? Yeah, to coach people. I, wait, this is like a pyramid scheme. What, what's going on here? So everyone is just, I'm charging you money to tell you to coach people and tell them to coach people so they can tell people to coach people. Um, so that's like, that's insane. And he was making a lot of money. So that's crazy. Uh, but in general, good courses, if it's about something that you really want to learn about, it's, it's amazing. But always check if they actually have a proper business themselves and are not just making money off the, the course or the coaching. Yeah, and that's what we say to the grow your coaching students. Like, be careful who you're sort of buying from because you need to obviously do your research and people can paint a picture on social media, but unless, yeah. like, you never actually know what, how well like someone is doing because they could like they could be posting pictures of nice cars etc and have they they could be in debt like you you don't know that so um and and of course i mean coaching coaches there's nothing wrong with that but just coaching coaches teach them to coach people to teach them to coach people then it becomes really weird that you're not teaching them anything you're just creating this weird scheme sort of i think definitely yeah sounds a business this year bob what are your main goals? What are your main goals? Is it, have you got any sort of set or is it just sort of you, you cough the cough? Well, so we, uh, it's very interesting business year for me, I think. Um, because, well, first of all, the software business, you have to be a really idiot not to do well if you are sort of helping businesses online in this state of the world, right? <laughs> everyone has to go online. And everyone I know who has a similar business like me, they're just, their only issue is finding employees, not finding clients. I have potential clients right now who are pissed at me because I haven't sent them my proposal yet because we're just, we're full, right? There's nothing we can do more. So that is sort of the, the one thing. Um, but at the sort of halfway through last year, I got a message from my biggest client saying, hey, after this year, we're going to leave you because we, we were bought by a French company and they told us we're only allowed to work with French suppliers. Um, yeah, that's the French. Sorry, sorry French. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll know what happens. Um, <laughs> So I thought, fuck, that's going to, that's, I mean, and that's like 150, 200K a year contract I lost. So that's a lot of money. Um, so I really thought, oh, this 2021 is going to be difficult because we still have, you know, the, the pandemic and everything going on. So, you know, that, but that's great. But for me, there's two main new focuses. So again, I'm trying to focus more on what I enjoy. And for me, that is the um, sort of, the, so I started this, this podcast with a pretty big YouTuber this year. Uh, we're starting two other YouTube channels together as well now. So that is something that we have very high hopes of, um, which is also very new to me and I enjoyed a lot. And I'm launching a software product where I worked on for two years. So going back to what I started with <laughs> in the beginning, but I built it based on interviewing a lot of people, going through a lot of test phases with people in that um, there is, I don't even want to know how much money I put into the project. So we're launching that in about two weeks is the plan. The final test phase is right now. So unless they find something that breaks the whole system, we're going to launch in two weeks. That's going to be super exciting. So it is the the one thing that I believe has the most potential that I've ever done in my life. Exponentially. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. Because I think you, I saw you speak about that on a podcast with, with Iman. Iman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Iman has really been pushing me to put more time and money into that project because he also believes that it's like a really sort of big thing. So we'll... Uh, We'll see it's finally done it took way too long way 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 too long it's exciting though it's exciting it is sure it so is. yeah it's going to be a very interesting business year very very uh, interesting how's the podcast going your podcast bob yeah so it helps to do this with a guy who has 1.3 million subs on youtube yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah to be fair that that would help yeah that would help. yeah so our i think well, the previous episode that we launched two days ago, this is the first one we didn't push. Like we thought, we're just going to let it go organically. We're not even going to mention it anywhere. That one's doing okay-ish, but the one before in total had like 50,000 people listening to it. And we started a month ago. So that's not bad for the first month, I think. No, that's not bad at all. Easier. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what we did notice now, and that is also, you know, cool that you guys invite guests the best way to grow rather than you know stand so i'm doing it with stan brownie who's pretty well known in the calisthenics world basically um the best way to really grow is to get guests with a big reach which is why we really just we want to have like two guests a month right now who all have millions of followers on their 
um, thing. And again, then it helps to do this with someone who has such a big reach because I sort of reach out to people say, hey, we have this podcast with this guy. Check it out. One <laughs> Great, you can actually plug your product. Do you want to, and everyone says yes. So it's it's yeah, yeah, genius. So I think, uh, but I don't know. Do you know you guys are also on Spotify, right? You put it everywhere or just on? Yeah, Spotify, Apple Music, and, and on YouTube. Yeah, have you guys figured out how to actually get monetized on Spotify? No, no, we have no clue. We tried. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, YouTube, sure, and and but Spotify, we don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. I actually uploaded it through a different platform called Anchor. That's why I've been uploading it through. Um, I haven't gone directly to Spotify. So yeah, I'm not sure about that actually. But I know it does look at that. I know it does it does say about um getting monetized on Anchor. So look into that if you want to. Yeah, we also use something. Um we use Buzzsprout to put it on every platform. Cool, yeah. It says you can get monetized everywhere, but we can't really figure out where. <laughs> it's for now it's fine, but hey, you know, hopefully we're gonna reach like hundreds of thousands of people to, to listen to it every week. And then it would be a shame if you don't, if you're not monetized, but uh, yeah, right, well, some research. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of um, a little question here, Bob, what non-negotiable characteristics do you believe um, you need to be successful? That's also <laughs> a good question. <laughs> um, well, I, I do think, I'm not sure if that's not, yeah, I do think so. So, I'm always amazed by that there's a lot of people who want others to fail, right? Like whether it's competitors or other people around them, like, oh, I want, I have to be more successful than them. And I think that it's super important to always be, you know, supportive of everyone. And I'm happy if, even if my competitors do well, that's fine with me, you know? So, because there's no, I don't have influence on what other people do. The only thing I can influence is what I do. And if I'm, I had a question a while back um, where someone said, aren't you pissed that your students are sometimes more successful or making much more money than you are? And like, well, if I would be pissed, I'd have to fix it myself. It's not like I want them to do less. So I think one of a very important trade is just focus on the things that you can control and, you know, don't be bothered by things you can't control because then, you know, so that, that's one. I think the other one is just for me, at least the, the habits, the morning routines, evening routines are non-negotiable. Like I have to do it. There's no way. Um, so that's super important. And and of course, keep learning. I think that's yeah. Sweet. In terms of habits, what's your uh, be interested? So, what's your morning routine like? Okay, how, how much time do we have? <laughs> no, <it's not> that. <laughs> in, um, in brief, in brief. Yeah, I think for me, so I start with micro tasks, which are things you can do in a few seconds, cool. uh, like making the bed, doing ten push jobs, opening the blinds. Um, not because 10 push-ups will give you an amazing chest pump or anything, but that would sell, I've though. been awake for like one minute. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've been awake for one minute and I've completed four tasks. And that is, I've been productive and you take that with you throughout the day. Um, cold shower is part of it. Reading, meditation, uh, affirmations, journaling. Um, yeah, that's sort of in short, really, really short, the morning routine. And then for like evening, I think it's very important to switch off your phone an hour prior to going to bed, prior to going to bed, uh, take a shower one hour prior to going to bed as well, because a shower elevates your body temperature, which makes you more awake. And then after about 45 minutes, your body temperature starts to drop, which means you feel more tired and it's easier to fall asleep. Um, so those kind of things. And then it's just no more screens, just chilling, relaxing. The, um, yeah. the shower before bed, is that, is that cold, hot? That's hot, yeah, because yeah. you want your body temperature to rise at that point. Cold shower would just wake you up. Yeah, yeah, you be careful. So, um, <laughs> yeah. What What are your thoughts on crypto, Bob? And do you own ah, any? I'm actually uh, just starting a series on crypto for one of those new YouTube channels that you said. Okay. I, I think crypto is amazing, has a lot of potential, but also. I'm always worried when my hairdresser starts speaking about, oh yeah, I just bought Bitcoin. Because that means that everyone is buying it without having a single clue what they're doing, which means the price will be going up a bit too fast. So that is sort of one thing. Um, as we record this, it's crashing quite bad crypto for the past few days. It's been going down quite a yeah, bit. Again, uh... But in general, blockchain technology, crypto, I think is, is definitely the future. Um, I think, wasn't it Great Britain that announced yesterday they want to make a Bitcoin? now um, yeah i'm pretty sure they announced yesterday so they're doing research and creating a crypto for the uk crazy because and that's sort of the the thing i think is important there's going to be a ba big battle between crypto the way it is now and putting regulation on 
crypto because governments are not happy when you can transfer a lot of money without them knowing it. So they miss out tax money. Um, that's one. And then, of course, that's not what they say. They say, well, you know, criminals are using it to launder money, and which is also true, right? And terrorist funding goes through crypto. So I think the big battle will be um, finding a way to sort of regulate it without too much government influence. And if they manage to do that, then the price will go up. Last weekend, there were, there were talks about regulating crypto, and it just tumbled 20%. So that's kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's pretty difficult. And I think people should, you know, if you're investing, have like a, ask yourself the question, how much risk am I willing to take? I'm not, you know, I'm pretty safe when it comes to investing. So for me, it's only about 5% of my portfolio is in crypto because I believe it could easily double this year, but it can also go down like crazy. You just, yeah. Yeah, because some of some of the returns are just crazy. Like, did you is it Dogecoin? Did you see the returns on that? That went from like it's just stupid. That's whenever Elon Musk sends a tweet, it just goes up like forty yeah. <laughs> percent. He's got so much power. It's a joke. Uh, yeah, but there's a lot of. I, I mean, so here's the thing, right? With crypto, I think the main issue is, as I said, people are just buying a coin because they hear people say, "Oh, buy this." So the funny fact about this is, about a month or a month and a half ago, a friend of mine said, "Oh, you have to buy pancake swap." the pancake icon i don't know what's it and he couldn't really explain to me why it was a good crypto so i didn't buy it i think he had a twelve thousand percent return in a month after he told me which of course now i think oh i should have bought but i have the vision that i'm not going to buy something just because someone tells me to buy it i yeah. want to understand what makes this crypto sort of what's the use um yeah that yeah i don't know so i could i should have bought <laughs> more of the story yeah you should have that. <laughs> but i'm happy that i didn't in terms of like I'm, i don't want to buy just because people, someone tells me yeah. hey buy this and yeah, they can't even explain why just yeah because someone told me to okay cool yeah man um just, just lastly on crypto bob what um what crypto are you invested in obviously any bitcoin what what's your yeah bitcoin um i am about to buy cardano I wanted okay. to do so last week, but I had an issue with my uh, transferring money to my wallet. For some reason, I couldn't buy it. Now I'm super happy because it dropped like 40%. So um, I'm happy. I'm actually doing that now with leverage. So there's products you can buy. If it goes up 1%, your sort of portfolio goes up 3%. But if it drops 1%, um, you go down 3%. So I'm going to do that because I believe Cardano is a bit undervalued. Um, can actually just pull up the... Uh, Pull up what I have without the numbers. Maybe that's easy. Um, then we have Litecoin, of yeah. course. Um, I have VAT, V-E-T. Okay. Which is a very interesting one to check out. Uh, An engine. Uh, okay. That's what I have, and Bitcoin. Cool. Yeah. But it's overall, again, it's 5% of my sort of investment portfolio for me. 5%. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, Bob, yeah. In terms of um, mentorship students, is there any sort of key traits that you've seen in, in really successful ones and people who've really gone the mile and done really, really well? Yeah, I think it's the people who, there's two things that I see. So one, they try and surround themselves with the best people in every industry possible, right? So they, they're happy to pay just to be around people who they know they can learn from, can bring them to the next level. Um, and that's sort of also the second thing, they're willing to invest almost everything back in, in their business, in themselves, in other things. Um, I think that is, that is super, super important. So the, the 18 year old kid I'm mentoring right now, that I spoke about is, you know, I'm the type of business he has, I can't really help him with. And he has a business helping him sort of structuring everything. The only reason why he wants, you know, he's paying me quite a bit of money is okay. I'm, we're working a bit on his habits and his sleep, those kind of things, but also because he knows I can introduce him to people. I can introduce him to, Oh wait, you need help here. Let me connect you with Iman. Oh, you need help there? Let me connect you. So that's sort of what people pay for as well. And I think knowing that will really help you to, yeah, just surrounding yourself with people who push you and who are the best in the industry. Super important. Cool. Um, what one piece of advice would you give to up and coming entrepreneurs, Bob? I think to be patient in a way that, um, I think Sam Ovens said this. He said, the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it, right? Yeah, we say that a lot, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people, they start 
I don't know, digital marketing. And then after two months, they're not millionaires yet. So they think, oh, you know, it's not because of me. It's because digital marketing is a thing. I should be doing drop shipping. So they start doing drop shipping. And after two months, they're still not millionaires. But I think Amazon FBA, that's what I have. To do. You know, I mean, this is exaggerating a bit, but a lot of people, especially maybe even if you are a digital marketer, they think, oh, I have to help real estate agents. And then after two months, they see a friend being successful with e-com. So they go to e-com. But then after two months, they see other friend being successful in chiropractor. So they, so... Be patient, find a problem that you can solve and become obsessed by becoming the best out there in that one little field. Stay focused on one thing, be patient. And that's the way to get successful. And the funny thing is I say that, I always tell people don't start five businesses. I normally start like three a year. Um, so I never listen to my own advice. But that's also because I've accepted the fact that I enjoy starting up businesses so much more than growing them really big. So, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of the success thing again, right? Yes, I could make more money if I fully focused on one thing, but it probably makes me happier to do other things. So, yeah. Sick. Obviously, happiness first always. No, that's sick. Exactly, yeah. In terms of books, Bob, I know you spoke about the mindset one earlier. Is there, what three books would you recommend for obviously like up-and-coming entrepreneurs and people trying to get into self-development and business? Yeah, oh, sorry, what? I didn't hear the first one. What? Uh, top, just top three books that you'd recommend for people reading. It's, I, I always find it super hard. So um, I think a book called Tipping Point is really good, which uh, speaks about how things go viral and how things, well, basically what makes a tipping point. And it speaks about a different type of people that you need in order to something to succeed. Um, cool. Again, connecting with people who are uh, who can bring you further. I, I, I don't want to go to all the standard books because, of course, it's very easy to say, you know, a rich dad, poor dad, or, or all those kind of things, which... I think it's, you know, Richard Poor that for a lot of people is a good book. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I don't know, it's also not rocket science, what he says. Um, <laughs> especially not if you read his second and third book, which is exactly the same in just different words, which is kind of funny. <laughs> smart guy, though, smart guy. Um, I would say just a book called, oh, well, Why We Sleep. Why We Sleep is a book on, on yeah, on... Yeah if you read why we sleep you will never sleep less than seven hours again in your life or you will feel like you will die straight away <laughs> so <laughs> i think that's a good book and then probably something like tools of titans because tools of titans is tim, a book by tim ferris where he interviewed every every interesting person in the world right from the dalai lama to to tony robbins everyone and it's all described in three or four pages and they all describe, this is the one thing that made me successful. These are the habits that I find most important. Um, so it's like a three-page story every time of every successful person. And every, no matter who you are, you will always find 10, 20 stories, which you find super valuable. It's 700 pages, probably about 500 pages. You don't give a fuck. But everyone picks out their little nuggets there. And I think those kind of books are super cool. Just have it near your toilet and just read like one of those stories whenever you go to the toilet. That's what I did. Yeah, because that um, that why we sleep book. I remember the first like two pages. It basically said like if you sleep for less than seven hours a night, like you're gonna you could die of this, 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 this. <laughs> like, and it, I like I read the first few pages. And I was like, she went to bed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's quite a bit of critique on that book because he just only paints such a negative thing. But I think it's very important, especially in these days, because there's. I think on average, we started sleeping two hours a night less than 50 years ago um, because of all the screens that we have because of, and there's, so I think it's very important to actually know how important sleep is and how you can benefit from proper sleep. But of course, it's not the only thing that's important. Right? Of course. Um, and then we've got what, what one habit would you recommend someone implementing tomorrow um, to implement tomorrow in order to, to progress maybe in a business sense? What's like the one, sort of like a non-negotiable again, isn't it really, Fraser? Like one, well, one thing would you say, if there was one thing to focus on or implement, would you say it's going to help you? Habit, characteristic, anything that you think. Yeah, so. yeah. It's it's one thing that you can implement straight away. I I mean, it's sort of a bit what I said, like keep focus on, on one thing. I think it's, it's just very, very important. Focus. But also, if you haven't done so already, really write down why, why, why do you want to grow this business? Right? What's, why, what drives you? What, what motivates you? Because if you don't know why you're doing shit, again, business is not always fun. Business won't go up in a straight line. There's shit days, you lose clients or you can't find a client. If you don't know why you're doing it, it's very easy to give up. And 
really figure out why. And again, that why shouldn't be, oh, because I want to make six figures or seven figures. No, fuck that. You know, the why is I want to be able to, you know, it could be about yourself. I want to be able to afford this cool car and live in this amazing area, or I want to be able to provide for my family. And that will really drive you. Just write it down. So on a whiteboard, so you see it every single day and that will motivate you. Cool. Sweet. It's awesome. And then what one piece of advice would you give your 18 year old self? <laughs> just one um oh, all right like, no i don't know but i, I think sort of when i i sort of gave it away when i said the, the story like hey don't um sort of don't think that you know everything but speak to people surround yourself with people so i think that one is important but also looking back it would be enjoy the process a bit more rather than just pushing 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 um it's fine to take a year or two years longer to reach certain goals if you just enjoy it so much more I think that would be, uh, yeah, it always makes me feel, feel old when I say things like that, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah, I think I think definitely worth speaking about because people need to just fall in love with the process rather than the end goal because I think like Stephen Barlett speaks about in his podcast, but he says like you, there's always that like stage, but like you said earlier, you think it's going to make you happy when you get there, but then the goalpost just changes and you're never actually going to be happy. So you might as well... Yep. Unless you're in love with the process right now, you're never going to be happy. Or like you're. Exactly. So yeah. it's, it's something. It's like the hedonic treadmill or something like that. I think it's called. What were you constantly chasing? Yeah, quite, it's in the books literally right there next to me. But yeah, something like that. Probably said it wrong. They just said it's like a treadmill. Yeah. You just keep going around and around and around and around and around, and nothing ever makes. If you're not happy with what you're doing to get there, nothing's ever going to make you happy. Yeah, no, that's true. And I think that's also why the name of this podcast is pretty good because you know you have to be passionate about it. The whole the whole journey, the whole progress. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, we say like, obviously, the, the whole point of the podcast, obviously, because we've got a passion for progress and it's about helping people fall in love with the process. Like that is our like slogan, I guess. So, um, but yes, yeah, pretty much what you said. So, yeah, um, it's important. And just, again, it, there's, there's with, with the risk of sounding old again, when you're like 18 or 19 or even 24, 25, there's no rush, right? You don't have to fucking become the most, famous person in the next one or two years <laughs> have so much time so you know just enjoy everything enjoy the process and if that means it takes a bit longer that's fine yeah that's yeah that's really awesome you got any other questions charlie yeah we're good aren't we i think i summed up nicely um lastly bob let's uh, what sort of percentage within sort of investing would you like you personally go for i know you said five percent in crypto you've got money in real estate do you also have yep. stocks and shares, et cetera? Like, yeah, so the way I um, I have done it in the past is I try to keep one third uh, in cash. Um, yeah. or not, well, right now, I, I would say go a bit lower because I'm expecting quite a bit of inflation because of all the money that's just being printed and created out of nowhere if, you know, to help with the pandemic. But normally, I'd say one third in cash, which is for rainy days. So, for example, last year, the stock market crashed pretty hard in March. And I had a shit ton of cash. So rather than selling my stocks at a discount, I just used the cash, the one third in cash to buy more stocks because, you know, it dropped 40, 50%. And then it doubled again later on. So I made a very big profit last year because I had that cash, I didn't have to sell. Um, so that's one important one. Then I have one third in, um, in ETFs, which are index trackers, index funds. Um, normally I would add a bit of that into bonds as well but right now bonds are not interesting at all because of the low interest rate and the economy doing or at least the market stock market being so high and then one third in in um real estate so okay. i have a one uh, yeah so i i put it in three and now i use the five percent basically i got that out of the cash just to get the uh, the crypto so you definitely but, think it's worth being a part of crypto I think so. And I know a lot of people have a much higher percentage, but for me, it's all about how much risk are you willing to take, right? How, and I, what I noticed is if I put more in crypto, I spend half the day on my phone checking the crypto prices and that that's not what I want. I'm not a trader. I, I buy to hold for a long time. So I want to buy, I want to feel happy. Like, Hey, if I lose at 5%, yes, I'll be pissed, but probably I'll be fine. Right. So I don't have to check it the whole time. If I would put 50% in crypto of everything that I had, I'd be checking, like, I would be freaking out right now because it dropped 20%. I would go crazy. So, um, yeah, it's it's all about what what kind of risk do you want? Because the higher the risk, the higher the potential reward as well, of course. But, yeah, that's the thing. And honestly, what I've noticed is real estate, there's just no way you can work against sort of the money you're making out of real estate if you do it properly. 
just it's crazy what, what do you mean by that sorry so you just think it's a, a really so, good so, it's, you can make so much more money in real estate than you will make in your business basically um yeah. at least yeah so of course again and then we go back to the rich that poor dad is i didn't buy a new car for a long time because I thought I'll first buy real estate and then out of the money I'm starting to generate out of the real estate, I can actually buy a cool car or at least a cool car or those things. So yes, I agree. Um, although I actually use it to buy more real estate, which is also an option. But with real estate, the thing is, and I, I don't want to get maybe too technical because we might lose people here. So the house I'm in right now is my house. I bought it sort of cash. Um, I didn't have a mortgage on it. But then I thought, hey, I want to buy a holiday rental. So what did I do? I went to the bank. I said, I want to buy a house for a holiday rental for 250K. I want to get a mortgage on this house, right? Um, because I have that. There's a lot of value in there. So I got 250K out of this house to buy a holiday rental. And now I went to the bank and said, hey, I have this holiday rental, which doesn't have a mortgage because the mortgage is on this house. I want to get a 200K mortgage on that holiday rental so I can buy a new holiday rental. And now I go to the bank and say, hey, I have this holiday rental. It doesn't have a mortgage. I want to get a mortgage on this. So I can keep buying it, uh, buying houses, uh, fully financed by 100%. After 20 years, it's fully paid off by the rent I'm receiving. So in 20 years, I'll have five houses that I never spend a single euro on, which are all probably worth like three, 400K each. So real estate, if done well. Uh, and of course, I mean, I say that it's easy, but I first was able to buy this house cash for. So that's sort of the, the little thing you first need to figure out. How can you get your first property? After that, you can just keep buying real estate and just keep going to the bank. And with the interest rates being so completely stupidly low as they are right now, you'd be stupid not to buy anything. But don't buy it in London because those prices are just stupid. Uh, not in London, nah. Not in London. Find places where you actually expect the price to go up long term as well. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Everything. Awesome. Yeah. Very interesting. Is there anything, anything else you want to add, Bob? Before you go. No, I think we, we covered a lot of things, a lot of random things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys for, for having me here. Enjoy thank you very it. much for uh, your time, Bob. It's very no appreciated. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on. It's been really, really interesting, hasn't it? Really interesting. Yeah. It's been good to be fair. And I think like people listening, it's definitely, it definitely worth a listen because they're going to learn a lot. I hope so. Exactly that. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, make sure to like, comment and subscribe and we will see you in the next one.